0: The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. All right. Hi, everyone. Today, we have a really exciting guest. We have Steve Thorne here today. Could you just introduce yourself and give us kind of a intro to your story of how you got into the dental industry?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, everybody's always interested in how a non-dentist got into the dental industry. Yeah, so I it was 1989 when I was graduating from from UCLA. Yeah, it wasn't a good job market. I actually wanted to go into the finance world and but I had done a lot of computer work in the past. My father is a dentist. He wanted to computerize his dental office. Uh, old IBM XT's, XP's, really hard to get to network. And team members in his office didn't know how to use a computer. So it was a big job. Get in there and get the computer installed, teach his team members how to use it, and then how to how to print out uh, claims. We used to have paper claims back then and, and do all that work. But uh, what it did is it enabled me to learn the business from the bottom up i had to learn everything all the way from all the different coatings to you know teaching them how to properly put in um, the notes from back then we had paper charts and and all that so it was a great learning experience
0: and that was kind of like the beginning of some technology getting into dentistry back then and that's a lot of what i kind of wanted to talk about today like where the dental industry is moving and yeah. how many more opportunities there are for dentists as health professionals now, so that was kind of my first thing I wanted to jump into is yeah. where do you see the dentistry moving with integration of medical and dental
1: right? yeah, it's a great question so so I've been at this quite a while, right, so I'm one of the one of the vets in the business and uh, the way I answer this question is I, I break like to frame it up a little bit, kind of break um, this breakup dentistry into three different eras since I've been in it. The first era was um, kind of 1980 to 2000. I call that the aesthetic era. These overlap a little bit, but that that's when white teeth came into into the world, right? Uh, before is amalgam and metal crowns and all sorts of other stuff. But white and cosmetics and veneers became very popular. The next era was the digitization era. And that kind of started around um, maybe 2000, late 90s with with digital x-rays were probably the first ones. And then it moved on to digital patient records and everything digital over the last two decades. And it's still evolving there too on the digitization But I think now we're joining what I call the convergence era. And it's this convening of all different aspects of of healthcare for one, like you said, dental medical integration. So dentistry being pulled back into the healthcare system primarily through primary care health, um, but lots of areas also. And this isn't just a phenomenon in the United States, it's worldwide, it's happening worldwide. And the convening of technology that is much more based on the science so the science is driving the technological improvements Uh, we're seeing the convergence of of using um, many more predictive and preventive type uh, testing for dentists out there and and that's happening we're seeing the convening of carriers insurance carriers now starting to Try to figure out how to evolve. Uh, they've basically been the same for 40 years, maybe even longer. They haven't really changed. It's them. I remember some of the same plans that we had back in 1989 when I was working for my father are still in existence today. And maybe the fees are a little bit better, but not a whole lot better. And so that's all starting to evolve. So we're seeing this. We're at a really pivotal pivotal moment in. In oral health in America, where I think it, it truly is uh, coming on to be the the absolute best best time in my my career to be a dentist. I mean, if I could go back and start again, I would I would love it. It's a great time, and dental medical integration is leading a lot of it. Um, people, I think it's come from the Surgeon General reports primarily, is what drove a lot of this. The big Surgeon General report in two thousand that said basically. I'll paraphrase, um, you know, we can't have good overall health in America without good oral health. Came on again in 2010 or 11, the next surgeon general went much more in depth about the importance of oral health and and what dentists do to help uh, maintain the ability to eat and bone loss and cancers and just on and on went further. And then 2021, the, the oral health, I think Oral Health in America report was like 272 pages, no, 722 pages long or something. So you're seeing this, um, this pull by uh, the, the traditional and evolving medical system to pull dentistry and dentists back into that system.
0: And you've kind of touched on it with some examples there, but for people that are still trying to understand, like what would this integration look like or what examples do you have?
1: Well, we have a couple going on right now as an example where nurse practitioners are embedded in the dental offices. So a lot of, a lot of states nurse practitioners can have their own practice so they can work right with the dentist. And it's great. You get a patient in with um, high blood pressure. You can make a referral right away. You can bring the nurse practitioner in the operatory Whatever um, we, a lot of our offices uh, do A1C testing, so you can, um, you know, patient has elevated A1C. They may have never known, which is typically the case. They don't know about these things, and you can go over and have a have a discussion with the PCP. We have integrated practices with physicians. You know, dentists, or not, dentists, Patients oftentimes aren't that great at remembering all the meds they're on, right? So with the, with our our system, we use Epic as our electronic health record. You know, we get it's able to collect that all that data for the meds, and then you can have a discussion with the PCP or or the um, MD or whatever right there to help patients be healthier. So I think it's just it's all it's all about. Being more patient-centric. I was just on the phone with, uh, uh, and I know your dean is all over this. She's great. Um, uh, I think she's now the provost of the university now, right? Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, we've been on a couple panels together. But I was just on the phone today with Dean uh, with Nader at uh, ULP. We were talking about that, about the movement is centered around the patient. And so much of the past has been centered around the clinician, and so as that evolves more and more and it's more patient-centric with uh, quantifiable self and wearables and, and the, the power that's in this phone that we're on right now that can harness all that data and feed into the electronic health record to help your care providers do a better job to, to care for you, give advice, input, it's going to be super powerful.
0: Yeah. There's definitely a lot of opportunity there. And PDS focused on like the mouth body connection really early on. Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, we've talked a little bit about that. All of this is pretty patient centric. Do you see any other ways that this integration is benefiting patients? You mentioned kind of maybe finding out a diagnosis that they didn't know they had. Is there anything else?
1: Yeah, I think it's all about uh, predictive and pre- being more predictive and preventive. So, I think oral salivary diagnostics are going to play a huge role in how you practice in the future. So, right now, I'll give you three examples. So, uh, salivary diagnostics, you can, with a simple spit test now, you can, uh, right now, you have to send it to a lab, but you'd send it to a lab and you can find out their susceptibility to inflammatory diseases by measuring their IL-1, IL-6, one, IL interleukin-1, um, interleukin-6, interleukin and, and get a good read on that and other, other genomics. Um, you can, with that spit test and soon-to-be chair side, you'll be able to g- measure patients' levels of different bacteria, PG probably be some of the first, PG, FN, AA, and so you'll be able to measure these, some of these harmful bacteria that are caught, that cause other problems in the body. Um, one of my favorite ones is AMMP8, because it's a measurement of the collagen breakdown in your in your mouth, which uh, is a direct measurement of how um, how aggressive the periodontal disease, or not aggressive, is in your mouth at that particular moment, right then. So you can... Measure that and have a discussion with your your patient uh, about, um, about the aggressiveness of what's going on in their mouths right then. So powerful.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And it's exciting that you said eventually it might be moving chair side to make it even more rapid to get everybody their results. And you were mentioning that you think this is like a great time to be getting into dentistry. So what are some of the things that make the dental market kind of unique?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, that's a really good question. So why unique against going to be an MD or vet or something else that uh, dentists would probably be choosing against. Right. So, um, you know, one, one big area is it is so consumer focused. So if you, whether you take insurance or not the most most of your dollars that you generate as a practitioner are going to come from patients not the carrier like in our system we're we're big insurance player right one of the largest in, in the country not the world uh 83% of our patients come in with a plan with a dental plan but they only pay 37% of the cost so that means sixty-three percent has to come from patients' pockets, and and we're probably on the high side. If you take less plans, you're going to have more patient out of pocket. So it's very you have to be patient-centric, consumer consumer-focused focus, as a dentist, and it's very um, kind of retail esque, right? And so what I realize now that we're running medical practices too, operating medical practices. Is that dentists are are very um uniquely wound to be entrepreneurial for the most part. Not all of them, but for the most part, right? And so that's that makes it fun. They they get um they want to learn the business side, not totally, not like like I do as much. I'm a business guy. Um, but that's that's fun. And they then they also like the leadership end too. So is the whole leadership and management of the people in the practice. And we, we get to, in our organization, we get to teach them and help them, and, and they have fun with it. They, so many of them, that becomes their favorite part of practicing dentistry is helping team members elevate, right? So they have a lot of fun with that. Um, and, you know, the, I think oral health, lastly, oral health awareness my, this is my opinion at this point. I don't have data to support it other than our internal data on what we call opportunities per clinician. So our numbers, number of patients want to see our clinicians is way up. So uh, I've, I've seen this trend happening over the last decade of oral health awareness uh, increasing. And that's great. I mean, it's like, that is great for business. Um, and also, you, I'll add one more too. I said that I was going to only do one more. You look at the aging population around the world, the United States. In the, in the United States, by nineteen, by two thousand forty, we're going to see a forty-nine percent increase. I think forty-nine percent increase in people over sixty-five years old. That is is great uh, for for business. So they're the big consumers of of oral health services. So it's it's a Really strong business. It's steady, it's stable, and um, it's just a great time. A great time to be a dentist.
0: And we talked about all these great things, but I'm also curious. What do you see as some of the obstacles currently in the yeah. way of dental, or upcoming in the future?
1: Yeah, that's that's another really good question. So there are there are headwinds. There's economic headwinds. Uh, cost of capital is up cost of labor is up uh the overall cost of operating a practice are up and if you're not in in some sort of group or leveraging leveraging your your cost cost side of the equation well uh your margins are going to be hurt your income would be hurt right now um i do i see it changing no actually i don't see that changing much i think the cost of hygienists will probably keep going up cost of dental assistants up Supply costs have been good. Lab costs have been pretty good, but rent's going to keep going up. Utilities are going to keep going up. All those all those costs um, keep going up, and we don't dentists don't have a whole lot of control over their fees. So uh, that's a challenge. And there's only really a couple ways to for dentists to uh, kind of kind of attack that negative aspect of the business. Is number one to do do more of the dentistry that they diagnose on a daily basis. So you can look at data from different sources of how much dentistry, the average dentist diagnosis versus how much they do. And it's relatively low in the United States. I think Delta Dental or Caremark or somebody has some of the data there. I've seen data ranging from 25% to 33%. So it's relatively low on the amount total diagnosed versus the total done that has to change they've got to get better and I think that comes through Um, I think it comes from education that leads to better awareness of what happens if they don't solve the problems to activation into their own care and as dentists get better at those three things they will um, get patients activate more patients activating in care which will offset some of that cost increase.
0: Those are a lot of good perspectives. Did that make sense? Yeah, it did. Definitely did. Good, good. So a lot of my listeners are soon-to-be dentists, a lot of dental students. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for someone that's graduating soon and starting into the path as an associate?
1: First off, uh, as a D, even even a D3, but D4 students for sure get out there and there's tons of groups you can go in and most schools have internship programs or some set of programs. You can get into, into the real dental offices, the type you want to go into. So they all dentists have a choice, right? They don't have to go into for-profit private practice dentistry. They can go into uh not-for-profit. They can go AEGD. They can go GPR. They can do, um, they can do Indian health. There's so many places that they can go so they can decide. I'm primarily talking about um, for-profit, private practice, insurance-based dentistry here. Get in there as a D4 student, go learn, go learn. You'll you and get into multiple practices. So you kind of learn what you like and don't like, you know, because they're all different. And so uh, I would learn as much as you can. And then uh, make sure you, when you get into a practice, it's a practice where they are going to help you be really successful. Those are those are by far the best practices that I see in our network. The main doc is really dedicated to helping the newer docs succeed. So it might be speed, it might be diagnosis, it might be advancing some other clinical skill, it might be advancing how they work with... Uh, with the ancillaries, um, whatever it may be, and help. Because I've seen docs ramp really fast when they come into to the offices. So, I mean, some, some ramp in, in literally in a couple months, some it takes a little bit longer. But uh, the sooner we can help you be confident and be successful as a dentist, uh, the more you're going to fall in love with the profession.
0: So do you recommend that fourth years are reaching out to just any offices they're interested in, even if they're not hiring, just say, I want to come observe. I want to come see how you do things.
1: Oh, totally. If your school doesn't have a program that's set up with a group of practice out there, just reach out. Most, I mean, I, we'd take you in a heartbeat. Uh, come on in, check it out. We call it Denison training program. We have a whole program around it, at DIT. Um, so yeah, just get out there and, and learn it. And I'm not pitching PDS, but check out all the other uh, check out other groups, check out individuals that don't aren't affiliated. Check out a big group, a small office, and see what see what makes sense. Yeah.
0: And one more question for my pre dental listeners that are even deciding where to go to dental school: Do you have any yeah. advice for? Deciding I want to go to a program that's going to set me up well for the future. What are some things you think people should be looking for?
1: That's a really good question. And I think I'm, I'm a good person to answer that question because we're one of the biggest customers of dental schools in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably, probably us and maybe Aspen Dental because we have programs for new grads. So I just saw research come out that most kids are starting are figuring out if they want to go to dental school in high school or their first two years of college. And then they've already figured out, then they got to start figuring out which one and let's, okay. So the quality, what we have experienced, the quality of the dentist coming out of schools is pretty good across the board. I think there's what, maybe 75, 77 dental schools right now or something like that and growing. There's more schools. So when you when you graduate, most are fairly skilled and pretty 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 spot on on diagnosis and that sort of thing. Uh, then you've got to look at the schools' what the school focuses on so i 'm on the board of a bunch of different schools, so some are uh, are really into community health uh, a t still is is like that. some are really into helping dentists be um maybe more productive right from the start from um, I call them more super dentists. They don't have a specialties program. So they get more, more reps in some of the other areas because they don't have a specialties program. Uh, Creighton's like that. Maybe it's like, um, you know, the uh, Harvard is I'm on board there and maybe, you know, you're into the science. They, they're they much more of the scientific approach and, and, I was just at Penn the other day, and it's uh, amazing. Or your school, where I know, I know you're a former dean and how passionate she was about a bunch of this dental medical integration area and, and what we call mouth-body connection. So we really want to dig in What what is that school school's uh, emphasis and how do they differ in the marketplace and choose the one that kind of fits with where you see yourself going. And then some schools get you a lot of reps, I, I, I come reps, you know, you get to do a lot of crowns or a lot of, a lot of dentistry. I would definitely try to pick a school that, that allows you to do a lot of dentistry while you're in school. It'll really help you once you get out.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot more information of, about that now out there than even when I was applying, I didn't really know how much of everything you do at each school or what their focuses were. So hopefully people can make some good informed choices with that. Yep. And we covered a lot today. Kind of wrapping up here. Is there any final advice or words of wisdom you want to get out to the listeners?
1: Yeah. Be um, yeah. Remember when you when you get your dental license. Now you got a license to get out there and learn. Uh, you're not done. You're just starting. And get out there. Be be humble. Learn from all aspects. Uh, and do it while you're young. Get in there. Work work hard while you're young. I'm an old guy now and so, you you know, you get tired when you're older and go talk to some 60-year-old dentists too and they'll tell you the same thing. So learn while you're young, learn all aspects. I mean, man, it's just such an exciting time. Probably the biggest growth area is implants. So if you're into implants and you like that as a GP, I would uh, emphasize that area.
0: Thank you so much and thank you for your time today. It's been great.